I guess if we send our vegetables and fruit without packaging, not much will arrive at the customer. If we have more valuable products to be shipped, they won't arrive in full and good order. So packaging of products is a necessity. This is Hans Wortmann, the head of paper for recycling sourcing at Weber, the third largest manufacturer of hygiene paper in Europe, answering the question, why packaging is so important in our societies. So you might wonder, why is Mr. Wortmann talking about packaging at all? Well, besides his job at Weber, Mr. Wortmann also serves as chair of Forever Green, which is the leading cross-industry alliance that aims at fostering synergies among companies promoting low-carbon and circular fiber-based packaging. As we speak, the Forever Green Alliance is leading an attempt at bringing the recycling rate of fiber-based packaging in Europe close to an astonishing 90% target by 2030. And the attempt starts with a precise name and action. The Circularity by Design Guideline. How can fiber-based packaging design Solve the Circularity Challenge, a podcast by Forever Green. Fiber-based packaging, design, guidelines, I reckon that's a lot. And I brought it to you all at once. So maybe let's take one step back. Let's bring in some context. Over the next 30 years, the global populace will transform dramatically. Population has changed from that year and into the future. We live in a world where the global population is expected to reach 10 billion people by 2050. And we all know that this will imply that the pressure on natural resources will drastically increase. Instead, sometimes we tend to forget that what will rise to is the demand for products. Yes, products. But products don't come in a void. On the contrary, as Mr. Wortmann underlined at the beginning of this podcast, they usually come in a package. Now, packages, as we know, can easily become waste. Yet, they don't have to. As a matter of fact, it is not only a question of technical possibilities. There's a normative dimension to it. More and more environmentally conscious consumers are pushing brands to be socially environmentally responsible. All in all, both our normative expectations as citizens, as well as the demographic trends depicted earlier lead to a pressure on a specific industry, the packaging industry. So for all these reasons, the packaging industry of today is trying to develop innovative solutions, which are not only fit for purpose, but fit for the future. Yet it would be a lie telling you that the packaging industry woke up only today to meet the environmental challenges of the future. And this is where we close the circle where we come back to fiber-based packaging, to Forever Green, and to the Circularity by Design guideline. Forever Green is a cross-industry alliance, and we're working on affecting the circularity of fiber-based packaging, contributing to climate-neutral and sustainable society. Currently, we bring together about 90 members across the entire fiber-based packaging value chain, which all have the common goal to increase the overall recycling rate of fiber-based packaging in Europe to 90% by 2030, coming from an 82-83 level today. Over the past two decades or so, fiber packaging clearly emerged as a leader when it came to developing environment-friendly and sustainable solutions. The numbers speak for themselves. Today, in Europe, 
Fiber-based packaging has the highest recycling rate, 82.3%, compared to metal packaging, 80%, glass packaging, 75%, or plastic packaging, 42%. The Forever Green Alliance is one of the key actors in this industry. And as we speak, the Circularity by Design guideline is the latest asset available on the knowledge market. But what is the Circularity by Design guideline exactly? The Circularity by Design guideline is a document that aims at presenting recommendations for the design of fiber-based packaging. The guideline addresses all actors along the entire value chain, from manufacturers to retailers, including packaging designers. Likewise, the document addresses all types of fiber-based packaging compatible with standard recycling technologies and puts particular emphasis on household and on-the-go consumer packaging. Crucially, the guideline is intended to be applied in the EU, reflecting the requirements of recycling technologies used in Europe, but there's no reason it can't be applied beyond these borders. But first things first, why is design so important in the context of recycling? The design and make sure that you use the right materials in your design that are not only giving you the right kind of packaging for its purpose, that is to bring the product to the end customer in the right and correct way, but also after life is recyclable. Um, that is crucial to start with the design part. And how was Forever Green Circularity by Design Guideline actually developed to understand the process behind this innovative industry tool? We need to travel to the capital of Austria. We need to travel to Vienna. This uh, guideline is a result of a collaborative effort because some of the basic facts, we had around, I calculated them, 50 meetings with our two working groups and the guideline went through multiple feedback loops before the publication. So there we had gained a lot of knowledge from different perspectives. And for the process, we started the guideline working in our expert group. This is a group around yeah, 29 experts. We really developed it and then went further with it to our consultative group, around 60 people. And they give their input as well to the guideline and then even further to the entire Forever Green, let's say, um, consortium. So all companies we had in Forever Green gave their input to um, this guideline. Charlotte Werner was born and lives in Vienna. She works as a researcher for the University of Applied Sciences. More specifically, Mrs. Werner deals with packaging technology and sustainable research management, with a focus, of course, on the recyclability of packaging. That's why Mrs. Werner has to do a lot with fiber-based packaging. And this is why she is one of the leading figures behind the circularity by design guideline produced by Forever Green. Thanks to her account of the behind-the-scenes of the guideline, the collaborative nature of Forever Green's endeavor emerges quite clearly. This, instead, is how Mrs. Werner describes in a nutshell the general objective of the guideline. So what we intend with this guideline is yeah, to really produce a document that guides designers to the right directive um, in producing recyclable packaging. So what we have is first some general information about 
yeah, also very important, the legal requirements of um, the recycling, then information about the recycling process for fiber-based packaging. And then we really go into detail into um, the several components we have um, in fiber-based packaging, just naming a few, maybe adhesives and barriers, also inks and varnishes. And there we really give expert-based um, recommendations visualized uh, in handy design tables. So it's easier for designers just to look at the table and say, okay, um, does my packaging fit to this um, design table? And if yes, you're good to go to have a, a recyclable packaging. Charlotte's expertise allows us to go very much into the nitty-gritty details of the guideline. In fact, the guideline offers design guidance for seven key components. Wondering which components we are talking about and how they impact the fiber-based packaging recycling process? First of all, so we have um, the component fillers, additives, uh, and agents. And then we have barrier coatings and inks and varnishes, adhesives. What else do we have? Decorative metallic components, the base material, and the alternative fibers. And last but not least, product contamination, which is not really a component, but also we give recommendations for this topic. So to start with, how do fillers, additives, and agents impact the recycling process, and why do we have them in fiber-based packaging at all? So those are some processing and functional chemicals, and we really use them to have different functionalities within the paper, like wet strength, wet resistance, and mostly they do not disturb the recycling process when you think about standard mills. So they're good, and then we have barrier coatings and polymer content, and we have the barriers really to give fiber-based packaging, let's say, adequate protection from external factors, so oxygen, humidity, etc. And when we introduce barriers in fiber-based packaging, they may have negative impact so on the recyclability, for example, lowering the fiber yield or affecting the visual appearance of the finished product. But that's not all. As Mrs. Werner explained, besides fillers, additives and agents, we also have inks and varnishes, adhesives, and barrier coatings. Then we have inks and varnishes. So yeah, let me say they, they bring packaging to life. And then we use the colors and really to color the surface and to produce an image, text, or design of the packaging. And in the standard process, they do not really disturb the recycling process. But when we come to another, let's say, type of mill, meaning the inking mills, there we will see an influence of the different inks and varnishes. How do adhesives instead impact the recycling of fiber-based packaging? A wide range of adhesive is used really to seal or close fiber-based packaging. And they can have an impact uh, on the recycling process and also therefore lowering the fiber yield and again the visual appearance of the packaging. Also, the barrier coatings or metallic components play a role in all of this. The metallic components or decorative metallic components, what we mean by that is really that the packaging will get a shiny metallic surface <laughs> by these components, so it's really to highlight the visual appearance. And there we can have problems already in the sorting process so that the packaging will not be detected by the technology used in the sorting process. So and as I told you before, no sorting, then no recycling. <laughs> and with base material and alternative fibers are another component. Mainly here, we do not see any 
a disturbance um, in the recycling processes, most of the packaging is made out of um, wood fibers. And if um, alternative fibers are introduced, there should be a recycling say, test in place uh, to check if they really are recyclable. Good job that Forever Green are working on this test. And last but not least, the seventh component the guideline gives recommendations about, product contamination. So when we speak about product contamination, um, this is the fact of the residual content that might be in the packaging after disposal. And there we see disturbance in the recycling process if this residual content is too high. It's here that all of us, the packaging end users, come into play. But to help consumers in ensuring an efficient recycling process, the packaging itself needs to provide clear information about its correct disposal, as the Forever Green's guidelines recommend. I would describe my work as my job is to guide, lead and support our customers on their sustainable journey. And I hope I do so by also inspiring them to do the right choices. Stora Enso is a manufacturer of pulp, paper and other forest products headquartered in Helsinki, Finland. Part of the bioeconomy, Stora Enso is a leading provider of renewable solutions in packaging, biomaterials, wooden constructions, and paper globally. Crucially, Anna Kjellberg is just one of the thousands of professionals who are using the Secularity by Design guideline released by Forever Green. Therefore, Mrs. Kjellberg represents just the perfect and ultimate evaluator of the guideline itself. What is the added value that the guideline will bring to Stora Enzo in your work? Working with renewable material is very much in our backbone to both think about optimization and sustainability, but also transportation and material choices. So these guidelines, I think, are really good in that sense that we can, and I think we also shall use them as a support in our work, especially as designers. So what I think especially is good is in this design the guidelines, the, the different add-ons that we, that we tend to use in our packaging, we can use this guideline to guide us to do the right choices. Now, actually, Mrs. Kjellberg is not simply a designer. She's what, in her professional field, is called an innovation and design engineer. Which interestingly means also that she can tell us whether the Secularity by Design guideline, which ultimately is a document with a number of prescriptions, wouldn't risk limiting innovation for the sake of sustainability. The guidelines are a great support to both guide and confirm the choices we make while offering innovative solutions. And I think mainly we think about adhesives and inks and varnishes and such. But the first step is really to choose the right material and to think about how I can support our customers and the users, for that matter, to do right. So we all know that consumers want to be sustainable and people want to recycle. And here, I think we have a great responsibility as material suppliers and, of course, me as a designer to lead and create good designs that, for instance, support an optimized recycling. But to be innovative to me is to find solutions that support the sustainable journey we are all on, not to create the most complicated package using unnecessary materials, coatings, print or adhesives or such. Less is more is a very used expression, but in many cases, this is our challenge. Forever Green is the leading cross-industry alliance that aims at fostering synergies among companies promoting low-carbon and circular fiber-based packaging. 
In this first part of our dive into the world of fiber-based packaging, we discovered the mission of Forever Green. Also, we discovered what the Circularity by Design guideline is, how it was born and how it is used by designers across Europe and globally. But crucially and literally, Forever Green is a cross-industry alliance. This means that while all Forever Green member companies are active in the fiber-based packaging value chain, not all of them do in fact convert paper or board in packaging, but they provide all the different components for it, or they do sell their products in fiber-based packaging. How do they see the Circularity by Design guideline? And how does all of this relate to the most relevant level of policy making in Europe, namely EU policies and legislation? Is the Circularity by Design guideline really a game changer for everyone? And what if I told you that the Circularity by Design guideline is only the first step of a much larger plan put in place by Forever Green? Forever Green is a cross-industry alliance with the aim of perfecting the circularity of fiber-based packaging. The alliance counts close to 100 members that are unified in the goal of achieving a climate-neutral and sustainable society. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you're willing to find extra resources and information about our projects, visit our website and follow us on our Twitter and LinkedIn channels.